Before we get into today's show, I just want to take a minute to say thank you. It's because of loyal listeners like you that we're able to equip and empower leaders at work and at home to stop drowning in the waves of their circumstances and instead build their life and leadership on the rocks, the essential rocks. And would you do me a favor? If you're really enjoying the show, would you mind to rate the show on whatever platform it is that you watch or listen to us? We hope we've earned five stars in your book, and that rating will help us to continue serving those in leadership. And also, feel free to share it with your friends, your family, your coworkers, or anybody else who wants to grow in their leadership. Thank you so much. Now on to the show. Where I'm really saying, not me, like I need to step out of the way and let God be big because sometimes I try to control too much. You know, I, I try to make it. Amen. I try, yeah, I, I try to keep it. <laughs> and then it's more about me than it is about him. But if I can be vulnerable, I can step out of the way and allow him to be big and to shine the glory on him rather than on what I'm doing. This is the Leadership on the Rocks podcast, where we equip and empower leaders like you to thrive in and create harmony between your professional and personal lives. I'm your host, Bethany Reese. And in today's episode, we're talking with Twyla Franz about the importance of opening ourselves up to building relationships and having community with others. Now, Twyla is a relentless believer in direction over pace and ripple effect living. She founded the Uncommon Normal blog and podcast to uncomplicate missional neighboring, which she says is as simple as getting close to Jesus and letting people near you really get to know you. Twyla is the author of a packet-sized devotional, Cultivating a Missional Life, a 30-day devotional to gently help you open your heart, home, and life to your neighbors. She's an Enneagram 9, learning to live open. She's also a blueberry tea drinker, sourdough bread baker, minimalist wannabe, chalk painter, mom of three, and wife to her first and forever. She plays worship music songs loud and on repeat. And she also numbers her thanks to remember gratitude is before and not after. Welcome to the Leadership on the Rocks podcast, Twyla. I am so excited to have you. Thank you, Bethany. It's such an honor to be here. I'm excited to talk to you today. Oh, I am too. So I am a follower of you on social media. I get your newsletters. I am just a part of everything you're doing, and I absolutely love it. And that's why I wanted to bring you on this podcast, because you focus on missional neighboring living and and just the ripple effect. And that is so important with leadership because I think the the number one thing that you're doing is you're helping us be intentional and opening our opening our eyes to what's right in front of us, right? Mm-hmm. You yes. know, having that heart of gratitude, seeing what we have and seeing the people that God has put in front of us to build relationships with them in our lives. And I love that. And you know, this being a leadership podcast we talk a lot about serving others, right? That's what leadership is. It's not about you. It's about serving others. But the the truth of the matter is, and, and let me know if you don't agree with this, but we're, we're all as humans, just kind of selfish, like, right? The me, 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 how's this going to affect me? How can I make it easy for me? You know, how can I consume? And it's not necessarily about serving. So as we think about the me monster, you know, I've noticed through all of the content you produce, one of the things that you really say is that, God does work in us and the work that he does in us is not only for us, right? You say Mm -hmm. that our lives are meant to overflow, to have that ripple effect. So I kind of want you just broadly to talk about what do you mean by this ripple effect? Because that's like the heart of your message. 
Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, I'd love to. So when we talk about our faith, it's often easy to think, well, it's very private and true that it's personal. It's very, very, very personal between us and God. But I think something happens when we try to make it private. It's almost like if you imagine something that holds water and so water fills it. And if it doesn't keep moving, it's going to eventually stagnate. It's going, it's not going to stay in the same fresh drinkable condition. It's going to go bad. Mm -hmm. But if we think of it as this reservoir that keeps being poured into so that it spills over like a fountain, we have this, this water that's continually moving and fresh. And I see so many verses all throughout the Bible that this is this overflow is what God wants us to live like, that we're not meant just to keep the things that he gives us, that he grows in us, that he teaches us to ourselves, but they're really meant for for other people all around us. And so as we begin to, to share those, even through even through the things that we're still in the heat of learning, this may not be a lesson, a lesson that's far behind us, but something that maybe it's a parenting struggle or something in the workplace that, that we're wrestling through attention or conflict, or how do I respond to gossip? How do I respond to, to any of these real life situations? And what is God teaching me in the middle of that? When we start to share those things, it, um, it breaks down the walls and gives other people access to our lives and they can see how God really meets us in those everyday moments. And it's not something that we all clean and polish up before we can come to him, but it, it's just this real life ebb and flow of God is always working on stuff in me and we're always a work in progress and we can start to open that up and share with other people instead of um, keeping this persona that we've got it all together and mm-hmm. um, you know we have nothing to work on. And so I, I think just that, that piece of being really real and vulnerable helps make it not feel, not feel preaching, not feel judgmental. It's just Hey, here's me. I'm still a mess. God still loves me. Here's what he's teaching me. And um, it's just easier for it to be part of our everyday conversation then because it's not, it's not stiff and rote. Man, I I love everything you just said. And it makes me think of that um, Bible song when I was a kid, he's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. Mm -hmm. You know, it's exhausting. I think everybody out there, it's exhausting to try to live life where all that you show is the good side of you, the the perfect side. And and there Mm -hmm. is no perfect side really, but the polished side. And Mm -hmm. I've even said that about my life. I am too polished sometimes and it's exhausting to keep up with, right? So I love what you're saying, vulnerability and just being real with who we are. Number one, we have to come to terms with that with God. God revealed to me the status of where I'm really at. Cause I think a lot of times internally we can trick ourselves <laughs> into thinking it's not as bad or it's, you know, whatever, it's not that problem um, to see that, but then to share it with others, you know, think about just the history of time and how important it was to have an apprentice, you know, the apprentice had the person that was the mastery at the job or whatever, and they would teach and train that mentoring process. And we've become such a polished society, especially on social media. I only want you to see me filtered, you know, that we've stopped teaching the lessons and sharing the lessons and, and doing life together. Would you agree? Oh, definitely. And we put so much pressure on ourselves. I, I feel it too. And maybe, um, maybe different Enneagram numbers. I'm not sure if you're 
into the Enneagram, but I love mm-hmm. the way that it helps me understand not just the way that I relate to the world, but but it grows my curiosity and the passion for other people. But I know that my default is to want to really curate my impression. I don't want to be needy. I, you know, I don't want to be rocked by anything. I'm, I'm an Enneagram yeah. nine. So, so I am I, too, so, by the way. Oh, awesome. Glad to know that. <laughs> yeah. Um, so maybe that's, that's why we have this in, in common that it really does feel like this pressure to have my life together, like not, not, um, not be thrown off by anything. Like I can stay calm and cool, you know, no, mm-hmm. no matter what I can be super flexible, all, all these things, but it puts this, this, um, pressure to almost be artificial and not really let people know that you're struggling sometimes too, yeah. or you have these questions. And so it's been a gradual process that God is growing me to open up more, but it's not my default. It's not, you know, so mm-hmm. I don't, I don't want to throw that out that, oh, this is super easy because it is yeah. something that I have to keep coming back to every, <laughs> sorry, every single day where I'm really saying, not me, <laughs> like I need to step mm-hmm. out of the way and let God be big because sometimes I try to control too much. You know, I, I try to make Amen. it, I try, yeah, I, I try to keep <laughs> it. And then it's more about me than it is about him. But if mm-hmm. I can be vulnerable, I can step out of the way and allow him to be big and to shine the glory on him rather than on what I'm doing. Yeah. And I think taking that and, and guys, it's okay if you don't know the Enneagrams and all things like that, you know, think of personality assessments. I'm sure you've done that with your work, right? We all have different personalities, but at the end of the day, we do all, especially in leadership, have that typically, I don't want to speak too generically, typically have that, I want to control things, right? And Mm -hmm. so I want to get things done. I want to curate how things come through my shop, if you will, my shop at work. And I want it to be high level. And we struggle with that control piece. And it also can make us miserable because we're working so hard to control it all and to have that curated image. And it's not sustainable. Something I'm learning, you know, as I age is understanding that whenever I make a choice of to do something, you know, is it sustainable? Am I going to be able mm-hmm. to keep it up? And what I'm learning is image. It's not sustainable. You know, whenever you try to fake it, don't leaders hear me. Don't fake it till you make it right. Especially if you're a new leader, you're going to make mistakes. It's okay. So we're talking about vulnerability. Yes. I know you're all thinking Brene Brown with that word. Yes. But being real, but we're talking about even more so going beyond Brene Brown into what God sees in you and, and helping him be a part of that, not helping him. He, he does what he does. You inviting him to be a part of that with you. Um, you know, I want to take that a little bit further, right? One, we got to get rid of the fakeness. We got to, you know, don't fake it till you make it. Be real, be authentic. Um, but we're also designed as social creatures, you know, and I really think the pandemic taught us that <laughs> we need Definitely. each other. We aren't meant to go it alone. So building relationships and having community with others are absolutely vital. So I want you to explain to us your concept of this missional neighboring. For a lot of us listening, that's going to be a new concept, missional neighboring. So can you explain to us what you mean by that? Sure. Well, it's a spinoff of missional living, which is maybe still not a super common term, but the concept is is basically just that we are taking the Great Commission as this is not just a mission 
to go far away, but this is an everyday mission. And I believe it was in the Passion Translation that it's worded everywhere you go, make disciples of all nations. And Mm -hmm. as I read that, I was thinking, well, most often I'm not on the other side of the world. I'm not, you know, I've taken short-term mission trips and that's, you know, been a pull in my life. But, But the reality is that most of the time I'm right here, you know, in my neighborhood or when I worked outside of the home, it was there, or is it school or is it church or different places in the community where you frequent? And I started realizing that the Great Commission applies to those everyday moments that are not big once of a lifetime things. And so mm-hmm. it's it's just this intentionality that our lives have meaning and they have purpose. And our purpose isn't just to live for ourselves, but really it is to point an arrow to God in everything that we do. And I was introduced to the idea of a missional community several years back. It was a church that we were attending and they took, well, they expanded on this definition of what we might be more familiar with a small group or a Bible study. And Mm -hmm. those type of groups can be really, really, really good. But often, at least in my experience, it's something that you attend once a week. Yeah. And so it becomes a little bit more of this is just an, a, another activity and it's really good and you might have really good friendships, but it's not really integrated into your life. And the concept of it being mi- missional is that it really is kind of this, this bumping elbows with that you're doing it all throughout the week. It's not just an activity that you're doing. So the what missional neighboring is, is when you take that into your neighborhood and you're getting close to Jesus and you're um, letting your neighbors get close enough to you that, that those things that God is doing and you can ripple out because you're having those conversations with them in your driveway or in your home or, you know, just, just throughout your neighborhood. Man, I love that. You know, I read an article um, posted by Gettysburg College and it states that the average person will spend, listen to this, 90,000 hours at work over their life. 90,000. That is one. (laughs) Yes, it is. That's one third of your life is spent at work. So I want to talk about this concept. Like a lot of times you see your coworkers even more than you see your kids. And if you're raising teenagers, definitely more than your kids. Or if you have adult children, definitely more than your kids. We're spending so much time at work. I want to take this concept of living authentically, you know, this um, vulnerability and doing life together into the workplace. It is so needed. I think so often we can show up. Yes, we know each other's names, but do you know each other's, um, you know, spouses or children's names or what's going on in their lives? And yes, you're there to do a task, to do a job, but the workplace has changed from transactional to relational anyway, we got to work on that work culture to where, you know, you're not just my coworker, you're now becoming my friend and we're doing life together. How can we take that great commission and that concept of missional neighboring into the workplace? That's a great question. And everything that I write about in relation to neighborhood can really be taken much beyond that. It can be in the workplace. It can be in our schools or our churches definitely in our home too, where we cultivate what we're, or we practice what we're going to, you know, do elsewhere. So if we're not discipling in our home, it's going to be really hard to mm-hmm. to take that outside. But I think just <clears throat> starting basically with 
this this idea that we need to notice the people who are right in front of us. And you brought that up already, but I think that's so key because we can be very task oriented, you know, solely focus on our work or, yes. um, or just not really, not really see the people like we, you know, we, we know that they're there physically, but we're not taking the time to really lean into their stories or to be curious about maybe what is going on in their life. And so just that, that stopping and saying, okay, how, how can my eyes be a little bit more open today? What can I start paying attention to paying attention to face expressions and body language and what's not being said. Sometimes those can be really good places to start to, and to ask great questions, to be willing to listen. Um, but th- but then as as we're seeing people to couple that with the vulnerability so we don't want to just ask all the good questions and know everything mm-hmm. about somebody else but not be willing to answer our own questions and i know that sometimes i get stuck there too where oh it's it's easy to find out all the hard in your life you know and to be the supporter and the encourager and i'll mm-hmm. be the listening shoulder but am i going to tell you that i'm struggling too and sometimes yeah. we have to go first so it's it's this balancing act of Yes, we want to ask really good questions, but we don't want to only ask questions. Otherwise, it's still really one-sided. Yes. Um, you have to, you know, you talked about building a wall. We have to let that wall down, mm-hmm. right? We have to to be real and authentic and, and share those things of what's going on in our lives or what we're feeling, you know. And so much of this, guys, listen, everything she's talking about is so such great examples of of great leadership. In leadership. Number one, you're modeling everything. (laughs) They're always looking to you um, and just saying, how is he doing things? How is she doing things? And so whenever you're vulnerable and you kind of model what's really going on behind the scenes, that really opens their eyes to a lot of things. And it helps everybody kind of catch a breath of, it's not robotic. I don't have to be at this perfect level. They call it a rat race. We're all chasing, trying to achieve something that's really not achievable, this perfection. If I just follow this plan and this 10 step program, (laughs) and that's really not what it is. So leadership backing up, be vulnerable first, go first and sharing. Um, Guys, this is a really hard concept. We're going to talk about a lot of things in this budget meeting and you know, it's okay. We're going to have a lot of different ideas and that's a good thing. Wow. Just if somebody would say that in a meeting, everybody's going to go, ah, he just gave me permission to have a different opinion. And that is such a great thing. So leaders, think about how you can take this vulnerability into your workplace, into meetings, into saying, hey, I'm really nervous about this. Or, hey, I know this is really hard. Um, And it allows everybody to kind of catch their breath. So continuing on with that, with beyond the vulnerability, how do you think this plays into a work culture, right? And and again, I don't want to be too generic, but you see a lot of TikTok videos or reels on Instagram of just people leaving their jobs and all the disrespect of how the job treated them. And we do have a problem with workplace culture, just mm-hmm. generically speaking. And we want to turn that around. And this is a first step, right? Building relationships. You don't have culture if you don't have relationships. Relationships come first. So can you help us? If I'm showing up at the job and let's say, you know, it's just been a, hey, hi, how are you kind of relationship? How do I take that first step into building like an authentic relationship with a coworker? I I think it, it starts just by 
well, as you notice somebody, then you can start moving toward them and taking this, um, just this understanding that we're going to have a lot of differences. And so we're not necessarily looking for somebody that, oh, I click with them immediately, or I'm very similar to this person. But I think the more that we practice noticing the people around us, the more we see mm-hmm. that differences are strengths and they can yes. be really, really, really good things. And so I think that that perspective shift can help us move into, okay, well, I'm not just trying to find out how we're like, or how, you know, that we have the same hobbies or our kids are the same age or anything like that, but to get really curious about the things that are different. Maybe it's something that you have never experienced before, or maybe it's somebody that has a completely different personality, work habits. Maybe it's a different generation, um, just completely different life experiences. And to say, okay, well, instead of this being a negative where we have, you know, we're going to have this conflict and it's just the way that it is to say, well, they have something that I don't see very easily that doesn't come very naturally to me. Mm -hmm. And so one is just practicing being aware of people also helps us be more self-aware, I think, and say, okay, well, these are my pitfalls. This is the, I, I like to call them ruts. Um, this is kind of where I default. Like maybe, maybe when I'm stressed, I get really task oriented and I kind of tune people out or I prefer to work by myself. And so it's really a stretch to collaborate with other people or to trust that other people are going to hold up their, you know, what their workload in a project. Um, oh yeah. But, but just taking this, um, this understanding that differences are really, really, really good thing. And when we come together, it's like, puzzle pieces and we can fill in blind spots for each other. So I, I just love the way that that helps me in a neighborhood concept. It helps me say, okay, well, I might on the surface have nothing in common with this particular neighbor, but I can become really good friends with them as I get to know them. And it it can just be these little tiny conversations that begin to Mm -hmm. build. Most of the time, we're not going to go from I don't really know this person at all to we're really good, deep friends overnight, you know, it's going to slowly build. And so I like to think of it more as a direction we're going rather than this is, this is some kind of overnight shift, but, um, just letting that, that curiosity and that empathy and that awareness lead you to, um, to invite people to the eyes that can see your blind spots to see that for other people Mm -hmm. to offer that kind of help. Yeah. So invite people in, right. Mm -hmm. And whenever you're inviting them in, don't have that. I only want people who think and act as I do, right. Mm -hmm. (laughs) That actually doesn't grow you, uh, at all. So um, I love what you said, ruts and blind spots, you know, whenever you have diversity and diversity in the workplace is, is huge, right. But whenever you have diversity, it is, I love that picture that you said of the puzzle pieces fitting together, they have something you don't, and they can bring that in and help fill that, And that is such a good way to think about it. Um, You know, again, a lot of this takes going back to the first thing you said, vulnerability and that image of perfection. We have to kind of shed that. And so much of that is more of an internal struggle than Mm -hmm. an external struggle. Um, Going back to that concept of God is doing work in you and it's not meant for you. It's meant to spill out. But there's a lot of internal things that we fight with that, that image management, you know, I want everything that has to do with me to appear perfect. Now I want to apply this in work and home for a second. 
And I'm going to go with the toilets at home, right? Oh, I can't have people over. My toilets aren't clean or yeah, there's stuff on my table. It's the concept of how the house is presented and how it looks. And at the root of that is status. You want to come across as though, you know, you have it all together and your house is clean. And when it comes to work, you don't necessarily want to showcase that, you know what, you're um, struggling, you're having a bad day, or you know what, things at work are going great, but things at home are not. And Mm -hmm. it's, it's that wall. So the internal fight over that, how do we press into all that internal thought and what, which can be a lot of negative self-talk to let those walls down? That Where do we start good, internally? It's such a good question because that that is so true that whatever is inside of us is going to spill out and it's going to come out in our tone, in our face expressions, in our actions, how we treat people. So like it or not, whatever we're letting grow inside of us is going to affect our workplace, our homes, our neighborhoods, communities. Um, so whether you want it to or not, guys, exactly, it's important to hear that. Exactly. Like we don't, <laughs> we don't wake up and decide I'm going to be a person of influence today. We have a degree of influence everywhere we go because we are exuding either a grateful heart or an ungrateful heart. We're exuding Mm -hmm. love or judgment. Um, So all, all these things come from what we're letting grow inside of us. And the best way to really cultivate good stuff is to go to our creator and to spend intentional time with him and if you're in the office all day, this is this is so key. Even before you go, like what are you filling yourself up with before you go into the workplace so that that is what is going to mm-hmm. spill out beyond you? So I love this. And this is pretty recent that I've loved having a morning routine. <clears throat> I've not been a super structured person most of my life. I, re- I really resisted it. And when I had a much more flexible schedule, it didn't really matter that mm-hmm. I had a set time in the morning because I would I would pull up my Bible or spend time with God whenever I wanted to in between classes or in the middle of the night. It was, you know, it was just very fluid and I would come often, but it didn't have to be set in stone. But once I had kids, I realized that that is out of the window. It's, you know, it's, it's not going to happen, happen <laughs> if I don't make space for it, if I don't set an appointment. Mm-hmm. And something I learned from Rebecca Lyons in I'm blanking on her book, Rhythms of Renewal. Mm-hmm. She talked about not only having a morning routine, but also having an evening routine and how the one helps you actually follow through the other. And so I found that to be really helpful too, is to have my my phone will go off and say, hey, this is 30 minutes before you're supposed to be in, in bed. This is time to wind down, to stop working to stop, you know, trying to finish all these things that that really don't necessarily have to be done before tomorrow, yeah. which is a reminder to say, Hey, this is, this is not task mode time. And that yeah. helps me get enough sleep so I can get up at the time that I want to and really invest in my relationship with God before the kids are up and everything is busy and chaotic. You know, what you're saying is absolutely golden, especially in leadership you need to focus on what's most important, but often we don't, right? It's the unessential non-urgent and things that take over our day. And so schedule it. If you call it a priority, schedule it. Um, In spending time with God, starting your day off right, it is so important. But yet so often that's, you know, usually at the very end of our day where we pass out, fall asleep because we're exhausted from the day. So 
if, if you consider something important, then you need to schedule it leaders. That is just good advice. Even whenever it comes to leading people, if you say people are important, guess what? You better be scheduling one-on-ones with your people, right? Schedule that time with God, schedule that time with people. Um, and you have this phrase and I love, and I think we should say it a couple of times. Remember that the direction is more important than the pace. What do you mean by that? I mean that we can get so hung up on we're not getting there fast enough and we're comparing ourselves to, well, maybe my faith life isn't what I want it to be, or I'm not as open and hospitable or vulnerable as I want to be. Or if we're talking about our neighbors, maybe we don't know very many neighbors by their first name, or we're not the leader that we want to be in our homes or at work, but we can get so hung up on, I'm not there yet that we focus on the wrong thing. And the point isn't to get there as fast as we can, but really to know exactly where we're going. And in when we have the the trajectory or the, the direction defined, mm-hmm. then all those little baby steps have meaning and purpose because they're all taking us in that direction. And it can, and it can be slow, but those little baby steps eventually start to snowball. And we, we realize that we're gaining momentum because our focus is not on us working and striving, but it's, it's more about trusting God and letting his character grow inside of us. Oh, that's so good. Uh, I heard somebody else say, I think it was, um, pastor John Sherrill in one of the episodes, you got to have a grace for the pace, right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I love and that. yeah, the, the direction is more important than the pace guys. So make sure that you are facing the right direction and then work it. Relationships take time. And think about it this way. I call it the five domains of impact. One, it starts with self, right? And and you said this too, cultivate what's on the inside because what's on the inside will spill out, (laughs) positive or negative. It's coming out and it's Mm -hmm. going to affect everything that you're around and every person you're around. But self pours into the relationships. And then as you build the positive relationships, the relationships are what build the culture. The culture is what builds the organization. And then the organization is what builds the community. But if you back it all the way up, it starts with you, right? Mm -hmm. Start with self, pour positive things in, spend time with your priorities, spend time with God, um, and then build those relationships, that missional living, you know, open yourself up to building those relationships and that will build the positive culture that you're looking for. Um, You've given such great advice and and we kind of want to, you know, wrap it up and just say, okay, if I'm looking to build better relationships, build better community, whether it be with my neighbors at home, with my friends or at work, what are some key takeaways that our listeners need to apply to grow in their leadership? That's a really great question. Um, I would say that we really want to start with what is inside with, with what we are cultivating deep inside of our hearts because we can't be paying attention to the people around us if it's not first our heart posture. And I think we learn that best when we get really close to Jesus. And it doesn't mean that we spend 24 hours a day, you know, on our faces or reading our Bibles, but it becomes this conversation that kind of we string throughout the day. And I found it helpful to just to fill my mind. You were talking about kind of the voices of these are the self-critical voices or the self-condemning voices in our in our heads. And mm-hmm. I find it really, really helpful to keep bringing me back to what does God's word say? What does his truth say when I'm listening? So I love to play worship music every chance that I get. And that that I find gets, they get stuck in my head. Some of those lyrics do. And um, just pouring truth 
into your heart, into your mind is a really good place to start. And then the more time we spend with God, we're just going to automatically start to imitate him. And it is going to open our eyes where we're going to have his love prompting us to pay more attention to the people around us. And, and that's kind of the natural overflow is because we start to love like Jesus, we start to see people the way that he does. And we start to move toward them relationally. That's so beautiful. Absolutely. Man. And is there anything else you'd like to add? I was just like an amen on that one. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I totally jumped in, but it's so true, right? Whatever you start to truly love Jesus, he opens your eyes to see people the way he does. Mm -hmm. We got to see people the way Jesus does for sure. I'm sorry. Did you have anything else? It just starts these, these, these ripples that keep going, you know? So Mm -hmm. we, we start, start to see people the way that Jesus does. We start to move toward them. And then we start to see how those, those differences are really beautiful strengths, you know? So, so it can just kind of keep expounding from there that we begin to value people the way that Jesus does when we truly Mm -hmm. see them. And all of us have this deep desire to be really seen. So I, I think that when we can just notice people, it shows the love of Jesus to mm-hmm. them in in a really tangible way that, that meets something deep inside of them. Absolutely. And I just love that. So guys, if you're listening, just ripple effect living, right? That's your anchor for this whole episode. Mm-hmm. Ripple effect living is whatever's inside of you is going to pour out. So let's make sure it's positive and then go build those <laughs> relationships. Um, you know, in thinking about everything you've been talking about, what would you say is one poor decision that you would warn our leaders to avoid? Something we shouldn't do. Okay. I, I love this question. Actually, it, it makes me think of a mission trip that I went to or went on. And at one point we had this conversation about how we were presenting the gospel. And I was wrestling through it. And granted, I was probably the shyest kid on the entire team, but something about the way that we were being asked to present the gospel just did not sit right with me. And so I raised my like sweaty, nervous hand. I'm like, I don't see it this way at all. And and what the concept was is we can't push our, our words ahead of relationships. And I think that that can apply to the workplace too. So when when we try to keep people accountable without actually knowing them, it always Mm. feels really condescending, really judgmental. If we try to share our faith with our neighbors without having a relationship with them, they're going to feel judged and not loved. And, and so those relationships that we're cultivating are so, so, so important because it makes all the difference. If, if we don't actually know somebody's story and they haven't given Mm. us access to their lives. We can't expect, you know, to just come in and tell them everything that they're, they're doing wrong and for that to go well. But when we demonstrate vulnerability ourselves and we don't pretend that we're perfect and we have it all together, it it breaks down those walls. So we have those Mm -hmm. deeper, more trusting relationships where we have then access. Oh, that is so good. And guys, think about that. I mean, she gave two great examples. I'm going to recap because I mean, we, we you have to hear that again. Is 
you've got to have relationship with people before you, you know, you don't want to come across and just punch them with a mouth in your faith, you know, with your faith, because it feels judgmental, but have that relationship, build a relationship. And in the workplace, especially if you are in a place of doing evaluations on employees, don't wait until that yearly evaluation to have a conversation. Like, you don't know me. You don't know what I've been doing. And now you're going to come in and say that I've not been doing a good job or that I've, you know, great job. Give them a, a handshake and send them on. Like there's no relationship in that. It should be year round all year long. So you've got to get in and, and spend the time with your people. So important. Um, where can our listeners go to learn more about you and your work? Because it is fabulous. <laughs> Thank you. I am the uncommonnormal.com. And there's a blog and podcast. You can find where to follow me there. But I'm also the Uncommon Norm on Instagram and Facebook. Um, I love Pinterest as well, but I'm Twyla Franz on Pinterest. Mm -hmm. But if you go to the uncommonnormal.com, you can find everywhere to, to connect with me. That is awesome. Well, Twyla, thank you so much for being on our podcast. You have given us such great wisdom on how we can open ourselves up to build those relationships and build community with others. And it's so needed, you know, in our neighborhoods and in our workplace. So thank you so much for being here. Thank you. And all right, guys, until next time, continue putting in the work of building your life and leadership on the rocks, the essential rocks. God bless. Remember, the most essential rock you can build your life and leadership on is the rock of Jesus Christ. Today's Bible verse comes from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 and 2. Be imitators of God in everything you do, for then you will represent your Father as His beloved sons and daughters, and continue to walk surrendered to the extravagant love of Christ, for He surrendered His life as a sacrifice for us. <music>